Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. If you will, we, um, we're wrapping up a series that we've been doing for November called Hashtag Blessed, and um, that's what that, that's hashtag. In case you didn't know, my daughter made fun of me. Anyway, um, she's a, you know, she's a teenager, so that's her job now. Um, hashtag blessed. And uh, the whole concept has been, uh, I think, whether you are in a church world or not, uh, the word blessed, people use it. Yeah, I'm blessed. And, um, and, and sometimes I wonder if we truly realize if we are or not. Because I think that maybe our, we think we're blessed and maybe compared to other people, maybe we are. We're like, well, you know, I know people that don't have what I have and that don't, you know, I've got a roof over my head. I've got clothes on my back. I've got, you know, I've got meals that I get to eat. And so, and there's people that don't have that. So yeah, I'm blessed. Uh, but I, I wanted to challenge that because God wants us to live a blessed life, not compared to each other, but based on the standard that he has for us. And I truly believe that if we were to embrace the type of blessings that God has for our life, it, I mean, it would be mind-blowing. There's actually many different verses and scriptures throughout the Bible that paint a picture of God wanting to take our lives and do uh, much, much bigger things than we could even dream or even ask or even imagine. And so we get, let's, let's not allow ourselves to live a content life with what we have, but to live a blessed life. And here's the deal, God doesn't wanna bless you just so that you can upgrade your SUV or so you can have more square footage or so that you can have more zeros in your bank account before the period and the two zeros. He wants you to be more blessed because he knows that if you are, then you have the resource to what? Bless other people. And that's one of the great things that I believe God wants to do through his church is he wants his church to be a full expression of the blessing and the favor and the prosperity of God, not so that we can have some prosperity gospel about us being rich, but so that we would have the resource as the church to be God's hands and feet and mouthpiece in the world around us. Amen? Amen, amen. Okay, so go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter three if you have a Bible with you. Uh, you can turn to Acts, it's in the New Testament. It'll be on the screen if you don't. Uh, also, always every week I encourage people to download the free app. It's called YouVersion, the Bible app. That way you've always got it with you and uh, you can just pull it up and, and uh, search through and you know, find the scriptures easy if you don't have you know, the whole Bible <laughs> memorized where all the books are and, uh, and that's okay. Uh, we're in Acts chapter three and uh, last week, we, uh, we, we did this, this is just an incredible, uh, the account in chapter three is incredible because basically it happens right after the church first started. You got the gospels and you got Jesus walking on earth and he's choosing disciples and, and crowds are gathering around him and there's momentum starting. But then Jesus tells, tells his disciples, it's better if I go back to the Father and ascend back to heaven uh, so that I can send you my spirit and it can be with all of you. And, uh, and so they do. In Acts chapter two, we see the Holy Spirit um, showing up in power, filling the disciples and the early believers. Uh, there was a 120 that were together in that moment. And from there, they were empowered with the power of God to, for the purpose of getting the message of Jesus out to the whole world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the rest of the world. That was kind of start in your home, start in your city, start in your region, and then take it to the world. And, and they did. And so the first thing that you see happening after this account in chapter two, 
Well, it's chapter three. Why? Because three comes after two, that's why. Uh, but we see Peter and John, and they are going, basically they're going to church for a prayer service. And what happens when they go to church for this prayer service is they are encountered <clears throat> before they even get into the area where there's gonna be prayer by a man who's, he's been crippled from birth, he's, he's outside the church walls, kind of paints a picture that he didn't, he wasn't even accepted in the church area, he had to stay on the outside, and he's begging for money. And uh, we see Peter comes up to him, and, and uh, it says that Peter looks intently at the man. And, uh, and so the guy was probably getting excited. Oh, this guy's going to give me money. And Peter looks at him and goes, I don't have any money. And the guy's like, okay, we'll move along then. He goes, no, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. And he says, to the, he says to the man who's been crippled since he was born, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he says he reached his hand out to the man. And it says, as the man grabbed his hand and stood up, he was healed. And he began to walk and leap and praise God because his whole life had been, people had to do everything for him. He had to beg just to get by. He wasn't even allowed to get into the place where you know, the presence of God was and he felt like a reject on the outside. But all of a sudden, Jesus went and invaded his world. Jesus went to him through his people, through Peter and John, and a miracle took place. And so I want us to stay, um, i read a few more verses into this story, and this is where we're gonna camp out today. Uh, because from last week, one of the main thoughts that I said was that as a Jesus follower, and, that, and honestly, that's what we call ourselves. Uh, you're like, aren't you Christian? You're like, yeah, yeah, I am. But in our culture and in our world, I feel like that word has been so watered down uh, that when you tell somebody I'm a Christian, they can, they can automatically think maybe a half a dozen assumptions and most of them not positive. And so I would rather just say, you know what? Yeah, I'm a Christian, but you know, even more than that, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm not perfect. I'm just a person, but I'm following after Jesus, trying to live the life he created me to live. Amen. And, uh, and so uh, as a Jesus follower, what you have is way more valuable and powerful than what you think you don't have. That's huge. That's huge. And last week, I spent a whole week coming up with that thought. I hope somebody got something from that. What you have is so much more valuable and powerful than what you don't have. You can always focus on, well, I can't do this, can't do that because I don't have this, I don't have that. That's a poverty mentality. God wants to change that, and he wants you to begin to think about what you do have. Peter didn't say, okay, I, can, I have the money that's going to pay for all of your rehab, and, and it's going to pay for all the doctors, and it's going to pay. He says, no, I don't have any of that, but this is what I do have. I have Jesus and I'm gonna give it to you as much as I got. And the man was, was healed from that. I think we, uh, if we get caught in the church rut, uh, we, we forget the fact that Jesus uh, is a supernatural God. And when I say supernatural, yes, that means that he's able to go above and beyond what we can do in our own. Uh, Jesus brings the supernatural into our life when we become Jesus' followers. That's why he went back to heaven and sent us the Holy Spirit. And for those who put their faith in Jesus, become believers, become followers of Jesus, yes, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home inside of us. And so for us, what used to be natural now becomes supernatural. For us, what, you know, just living an ordinary life, now it can become an extraordinary life because we have Jesus in our life. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm gonna make y'all talk even if I have to like say things to make you say. Y'all are getting there though, you're doing great. Yeah. An occasional woo always, always helps. Faith in Jesus will get us where our efforts never could. And this is where Peter and John found themselves in this particular encounter. Let me read this to you. I'm just gonna read verses uh, seven through, through, I think, let's just do seven through nine. If it's 10, that's okay. 
Um, it says, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And here you go in verse 9. All the people, let's see a key word here, all the people. So it kind of paints this all-inclusive picture that everyone in this area was taking notice of what happened. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized that he was the lame beggar uh, that they had so often seen at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And, uh, and God wants to do things in our lives and through our lives that is going to create that same attraction where people are gonna look at us and be completely astounded as well. I love when Peter reached out his hand to, to this man. It wasn't just a situation of, well, you know, Maybe I can drag him up and it'll look like he's healed. No, he was extending encouragement to let them know, listen, hey, you are, you do deserve this healing. You do deserve what God wants to give you. And so not only did he extend an encouraging hand of acceptance to this man, but helping him get up also allowed this man to come into a new reality where he was no longer a lame, sick beggar, but now he was a whole man who was worthy in that moment in their culture to now be welcomed into the family of God, into the church world, into the temple environment. And that's where the church has to be today. It has to be a place where we are constantly letting people know that you don't have to get all your crap together to then come to Jesus. You don't have to wear the right clothes and say the right things and act the right way and then you can come to God. Listen, if you already know all your junk, why don't you just come to him as you are and let him deal with you through love and grace and show you the better way that he has for you on the journey. Y'all are starting to respond good. I like that. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, your salvation is never just for you. Your journey is never just for you. Your, your story, your testimony, what God is doing in you is never just for you. Your blessing that God wants to give to you, living a blessed life is never just for you. What God does in us starts with us, but it's also meant to impact others. I know some of y'all are, are here today. You know, we pray for people to be healed during worship, and, and I want you to expect something to happen. You know, when we pray for you, sometimes, I've, I think sometimes because we don't want to be disappointed, we, we limit our level of expectation to, to something supernatural that God wants to do. And we take it as a, we take praying for tangible healing more as a metaphor for, you know, hey, we just care about you. But it's so much more than that. Because God actually does want to heal you. And you know what? And I've seen God do miracles. I've also seen people that God prayed for in the moment that didn't receive a healing in the moment. I've seen both. I've seen people that have had cancer be healed from it and set free. I've seen people with cancer not be healed from it, and I always wonder why. But the thing is, is that if we never allow ourselves to go in with a head-first expectation of what God is going to do, then we never allow ourselves to be open to what God can do. You're like, well, God really loves me. Couldn't he just do it anyway? Yes, but it's so much bigger than that. He doesn't just want here. He wants this as well. And ultimately, through this, he can get everything else. So don't, let's not limit God because we don't want to be disappointed. I'm, I'm willing, I'll say for myself, I'm willing to put myself out there to be disappointed if it means that there's an opportunity that God could work through me to do something great. And in my experience, I haven't seen a whole lot of disappointment. God comes through and he does things that only he could do. We can't do on our own. 
So if you're taking notes today, and I hope you are taking notes, we're, we're talking about, and the reason why I want you to take notes is because um, I know some of you in this room are smart enough to remember every single thing that we talk about at church and just automatically you memorize every verse that is said out loud and, and it's there. But for the rest of us, um, we're not quite there yet. We don't have the whole Bible memorized. We have not achieved yet the perfection of a relationship with God. And so I just wanna encourage you, take notes with what we talk about because my desire is that what we do here on Sunday doesn't stay here on Sunday, but it inspires, encourages, and builds your Monday through Saturday. And so if you don't know how to study the Bible, if you don't know where to start reading, you don't know how to pray, start by opening up either your journal or your note app in your phone and look over what we talked about on Sunday and begin to meditate on that. Pray over those verses, pray over those points, pray over the stuff that, that you decided to write down because you heard something like, man, that, that's good, that, that means something to me. Write those things down and during the week you can have time to look at those things. But so I want to give you a title, though, because that, that helps me. So we're talking about a guy that used to not be able to walk. He was lame. He couldn't do anything for himself. It's a, it's a beg for money. And now all of a sudden, because of the supernatural, we see this man up, and he's walking, and he's jumping, and he's praising God, and he's walking, and he's talking. So just work with me. Write this down. Nudge somebody next to you and say, walk it, like I talk it. Only 10 of y'all are going to get that. Y'all gotta let me have some fun in church. Come on, y'all. Turn to some, turn to the other, turn your turn to your second choice. <laughs> turn to your second choice and say, walk it like I talk it. Like I talk it, walk it, walk it like it. Okay. Y'all are getting to know me. It's gonna take a little while. It's okay. Like to have a little fun. Listen, your your talk means nothing unless you decide to get up and walk. Your talk is powerless unless you decide to get up and walk. In our text, we're gonna see how the combination of this guy who was healed, um, how we talk and how we walk unlocks the power of faith in and through our lives. Verse nine uh, in this account in New Living Translation, it says, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. These two things together. They saw him because he was physically walking, okay, but, uh, but we, what got the attention was what they heard from the guy. It wasn't just that they saw him walking, it was a combination. They heard him praising God, they heard what he was saying and what he was singing, because when you're praising, you're not just talking, there's something coming out of you that is so grateful and, 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 and thankful for who God is and what he just did inside of you. Either one of these by themselves would not have done much. If they had just seen the guy walking, they probably could have thought to themselves, I knew that dude was a fake. I knew he can get a job, he's just out here begging. See, look, I see him walking right now. If they had just heard him praising God, just heard him talking, he could have been just like any other empty religious voice that is void of any tangible action. Just praising God, I'm blessed, I'm this, I'm that, and, and God is good, and, and uh, you need to put your faith in Jesus. Meanwhile, all the things that you profess publicly, you're not walking out physically. But they saw him, and they heard him. They saw him, and they heard him. Check this out. Um, the word uh, walk, 
that they use in this particular verse right here is the exact same Greek word that's used in a couple of different areas in the Bible. Uh, it, it's a Greek word because the original language that the Bible was written in, uh, primarily in the Old Testament, was Hebrew because that was a culture in which, which it was written. And primarily in the New Testament, it was mostly Greek. So whenever you hear me say an original language word like Hebrew or Greek, that's because I'm trying to paint a picture of, of how they were talking when this was written in their context. Does that make sense? So the word for walk that's used in Acts 3.9 is the same word used in other scriptures to describe the way that you live and describe your lifestyle. So check this out. Here's a couple of examples. Colossians 1.10, it says, then the way you live, which is the exact same word there for walk, or you could say the way that you walk will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you grow as you learn to know God better and better. I love that. The next one, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.12, another New Testament scripture. It says, then the people who are not believers will respect the way you live. They will respect how you walk. Romans 6, 4, it says, we, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, walk new lives. Painting the picture, now we're walking differently from how we walked before. 1 Corinthians 3, 3, it says, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living or aren't you walking like the people of the world? Ephesians 5, 2, there's, like, there's a ton of these, but this is the last one. It says, live a life. And it's talking about lifestyle. That's that same word for walk. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. It wasn't enough for this guy to just be healed uh, and, and to only be heard praising God. It wasn't enough for him to only be seen walking. The impact of this miracle happened as they saw him walking and heard him praising. Walking and talking, walking and praising, walking and doing something tangible. Um, actions, there was, there was words, there's actions. Um, actions can be like deeds, do good works, uh, good actions, um, faith, words. I feel, like, I feel like there's a scripture for this. It's total setup, sorry. There is. Spoiler alert, okay. James chapter two, check this out. Check this out in James chapter two. Uh, further, further back into the New Testament, James is actually the, the half-brother of Jesus and he's the one that wrote this. Uh, it's kind of cool that he was a half-brother of Jesus, not because he was a half-brother of Jesus, but because for most of his life, he actually was completely rejecting who Jesus was because he grew up with him. It's like, I grew up with him. I saw him get potty trained. He's God? Are you kidding me? But we see even in his own life, we see a full circle come back to where he has a true revelation of who Jesus really is. And this is what he writes. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, unless it produces action, unless it is something that you can walk out, it is dead and useless. 
Now, someone can argue, uh, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't show me or if you don't have good deeds? How can you say you have faith if you don't have anything to show for it, is what he's saying. He goes, I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. Other translations say, by my works. And I love this one. This one's kind of like a dang type of scripture. It says, if you, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God, Good, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Don't ever be, be content with just saying, well, you know, I believe in God. I believe there's a God. That's great. So this is the devil. And he's terrified of him because his entire existence is in opposition to who God is. And guess what? His entire existence is in opposition to who God wants you to be. It's not good enough to be like, yeah, I, you know, I believe. I believe in God. Great. So show it to me. Show me that you believe in God. This isn't one of those messages where I'm trying to like, you know, trying to condemn people that are on a journey of trying to figure things out. But this is a challenge message, definitely, especially for those who say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I've got my, I've, I put my faith in God. I believe in who he is. Yet then, yet we, we, what, we, what we walk out is something that is not attracting the attention of the people in the world around us to wonder why they don't have what they see in us. Verse 27, it says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Our faith in Jesus means nothing if we don't have a walk that backs it up. I don't mean that if, you're, if you don't live a perfect life, then you're not saved. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a perfect life. And I'm not even talking about salvation. I'm talking about being a Jesus follower, We're living out this thing called life living a life of faith. You can give your life to Jesus and be saved and in the end you'll spend eternity with heaven, but it's not just about that. It's about the life that we have right here. It's about being a man or a woman of God who has impact in the world around you because God has done something inside of you that is worthy of you walking it and talking it. It's worthy of it. Like I think we, we sing a song today that's just talking about that revelation of what God has done in us. If we, if we every single day woke up and reminded ourselves just how much of a miracle it is that God saved us, which means that our actual tangible eternity has been instantaneously flipped on its head with a trajectory pointing towards eternity with heaven instead of an eternity separated from God in the pits of hell where he doesn't want anybody to be, but God's never gonna force people to spend eternity with him that didn't want to have anything to do with him in this life. That could go in a whole different direction. I'll teach on that another time. But I've never met anyone that God sent to hell. God lets people choose. He wants you so desperately to choose him. He wants you so desperately to make a decision, to live a life of faith, yes, so that you can be with him forever, but so that you can live a blessed life that begins to impact and empower the people around you. If you just walked around with a, a, a nonstop filled up pitcher of water that was just constantly sloshing around and just getting on everybody around you, that's the type of picture that God wants to paint of people living a blessed life. He wants the blessings in your life to just be messy and getting all over everyone and everything around you. And here's the thing, you're not spilling coffee on them, it's the blessings of God, they're gonna thank you for it. They're gonna thank you for it. When you walk it like we talk it, our identity is unmistakable to the world around us. It's unmistakable. 
This should inspire somebody this morning. This should also challenge somebody this morning. Um, I love to have fun in church, uh, but I also like to, to kind of poke people in the chest sometimes to say, hey, it's not about you. It's not just about you. It starts with us. I think one of the challenges right now is that maybe for some of you in your mind, you're thinking that, well, I, yeah, I, I want to I make a difference, but I don't really think I have anything that's really worth making a difference in the people around me. Or maybe on the flip side of that, there's, there's a fear that exists inside of you of, of rejection. Okay, I've, I've got these blessings that God's wanting to give me. I've got, you know, you know the Bible teaches and, and Jesus is speaking that he wants me to kind of walk out tangibly and be seen and heard being a follower of Jesus. Don't, have you ever heard the thing like, you know, preach the gospel at all times and if, if necessary, use words? I know that's a famous quote from, I think it's Augustine back in the day. It's a beautiful quote, but I can't stand it because so many people use that quote out of context as if they never have to tell anyone about Jesus ever. And I can't find that anywhere in the Bible at all. I cannot find one reference in the Bible that says, just be quiet and don't tell anybody about Jesus, but just walk around and read your Bible and they'll figure it out. Just say that anywhere. You're gonna look like a weirdo. And yes, you'll get attention, but probably not the attention that you are hoping for. People need to know that there is actual hope in this world. They need to know that real people like you and me have had real lives, have made real mistakes, have endured real adversity, have gone through significant challenges, yet there is a God that loves you and is delivering you and has transformed you. You're not the same person that you used to be. You're not a loser. You're not what everyone said that you were or never would amount to. You are a new creation that is filled with the glory and the power and the presence of God. You have what it takes to make a difference. Your voice matters, your name matters, your story matters, and somebody is just waiting to hear it. Yes. Somebody is waiting to hear it. This guy was seen and he was heard. I want everybody to know who Convo Church is. Why? Because I know we have a message to give. We have something to offer. And Convo Church isn't just about well, we'll build it and they'll come. No, 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 no. What we're gonna do here on Sundays, hopefully, is we're going to pour blessing and pour the presence and the love of God into you in such a way that when you leave this place, you're full. You're overflowing. So when you go to work tomorrow and you clock in and, and, uh, and typically they're sitting around the water cool and they're gossiping about this person and that person or, or they, maybe somebody this weekend got bad news from a doctor or maybe someone's coming to work and their marriage is falling apart and, 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 and there's an opportunity for you to not necessarily have all the answers. That's not what this is about. You're not gonna magically have all the answers and be the wisest person ever. But if you can just say, this is what God's done in my life and I didn't think I really was worthy of it and deserved it but God's been faithful and I, and I know that he loves me and I know that God's changed my life and I know that he has a plan for me and that God's plans is good and pleasing and perfect. Those are the words from the Bible. If you can begin to speak inspiration and encouragement and begin to build people up, they will at some point wonder where that perspective is coming from. They will. And when that happens, you're gonna come to me on a Sunday and you're gonna tackle me with excitement. And eh, that might be weird. Um, and you're gonna say, it happened. And I'm gonna say, what are you talking about? 
Somebody asked me about, about you know, what I had. Somebody, they had to ask that question. Or a conversation piped up where I was able to just say something that was encouraging to them and, it, and I think it actually made them feel better. I'm like, all right, that's good. That's good that we're taking baby steps. Let's keep taking these steps because eventually, eventually we're gonna get to the point and I pray this for every church in our region, that we get to the point where we are oozing the goodness and the blessing of God so much in our life that even if we try to keep our mouths shut, people are still gonna be able to see what's going on. Uh, the Apostle Paul throughout scripture, it says that eventually it got to the point where the, the way that he walked with God, the way that he interacted in his own intimate relationship with Jesus became so intense that even as he walked around, people would brush up against him and they would be healed. And, and without even him, he would, they said that he, they would ask him to, to get handkerchiefs, hopefully that he didn't use, but handkerchiefs and pray over him and send him to places and people would receive that and they would be healed. And it's just, you're like, why is it such weird miracles happening. Well, it's happening not because Peter's, I'm sorry, uh, the apostle Paul was just so awesome. It's happening because his intimacy and his closeness with God was so intense. He was so filled all the time, so overflowing that even people brushing against him, the goodness of God, the blessing of God was rubbing off on people. I love that, I can't wait until we can walk down Virginia Street and the people that are lining the streets that are struggling, whether they're, on, they're addicted to drugs or whether they're caught up in human trafficking or whether they're stuck in a wheelchair or they're homeless and they don't even know what's going on, but even accidentally without us even knowing what's happening, we're brushing up against somebody and boom, they pop up out of a wheelchair and they start screaming. That will get your attention. You're like, well, that's, that's, that's great, that sounds, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy awesome. It's crazy awesome. I can't wait to see God begin to move and work through you in the way that he intends. And I can't wait until we are able to get past the mentality in the church world where it's, it's only the super spiritual that can really do great things for God. Man, that's such a lie from the devil. It's a lie from the pit of hell to keep you from being what God called you to be. It's not hard to get lots of attention when you insert a bright light into the midst of great darkness. If this room was completely blacked out, we're not gonna do that right now, but if this room was completely blacked out and all of a sudden I just busted up a big spotlight right in your face, it would get your attention. And you know what disappears when you turn on that light? Darkness. It doesn't coexist. Light and darkness do not really coexist very well. When light comes in, darkness is completely dispelled. Two of my favorite verses here, and I'm gonna end on this. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Honestly, when I was a young man, um, and I just turned 40, so I don't feel like I am anymore. But maybe I am, I don't know. It's all relative. But when I was a young, young man, I'm sorry, I'm just having one of those moments where I just realized in my brain that I said when I was a young man. So just give me a moment. <laughs> just give me a moment. It happens. Can't take it back. But let's just say it this way. When I was a teenager, <laughs> when I was a teenager, this passage has literally changed and transformed my life. And whenever I feel like I kind of get into a moment where I feel like I'm down or I feel like I'm kind of hit some lull in my relationship with God, I always go back to this verse because it reminds me of who God called me to be, but it also reminds me that it's not about me. Matthew chapter five, verses 14 through 16. It says, you are 
the light of the world. I want you to, I want you to hear this. Uh, these are red letters. And when, in the New Testament, when you see red letters, that's, the, that's Jesus speaking. Do me a favor, close your eyes right now because I want you to hear this as if the only people in this room are you and Jesus. Listen to what he is saying to you about who you are. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then put it, puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, let your walk, let your actions, let your lifestyle, let your light shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I always go back to that because it tells me two things. When I feel like maybe I'm in a moment of darkness, it tells me that, nope, I'm, I am the light of the world. It's funny, these are Jesus' words. Jesus didn't say, I am the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. Like, but Jesus is the light. Well, he's alive inside of you. You're not meant to cover up who God created you to be. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.